0: Sky Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Steven. And Kyle. Welcome back, Holocult. Happy Monday. We are back at it and back hanging out with you. Uh, we're gonna go in on a part two on the Hellfire Farm today. If you haven't listened to the first episode from last week, please go back and do so. Uh, you're gonna wanna know what's going on before we dive into this one. Uh... Before we get into that, we got to get through the business, so check us out at all our socials, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Discord, uh, Reddit, you know the deal, search up the Hollow Sky Podcast, come and join the cult, it's a good time, it's a good time, uh, we have if two weeks, two weekends, the 14 Airwaves Conference, that is October 6th, 7th, and 8th, at the Inn, in 8, Ohio, at Ohio Northern University. It is the Fortean Airwaves podcast extravaganza featuring yours truly, the Hollow Sky podcast, Cryptids of the Corn, Kill the Mockingbirds, the Bump podcast, Appalachian Intelligence, and Uncomfortable. We're all going to be there hanging out. Uh, Friday, you can just get to hang out with us. It's going to be... Uh, little kind of non-formal panel, we'll get to just chill, you can ask us questions and stuff, Uh, Saturday, we're going to have, each podcast is going to have about an hour to go and do a show on a subject specifically for the members that have came and purchased tickets, and then we'll just kind of kick it, we'll all have our booth set up, you can come and buy merch, and Sunday morning, 9am, you can come and have a breakfast, pancake breakfast with us at the Ada bowling alley, 50 bucks for the whole weekend. Uh, there is room and board on site. There are, uh, special deals for that on the link tree. Just search up 40 airwaves link tree and you will find it. I'm sure it's posted everywhere on all of our socials, but come and hang out with us. Got two weeks to get your tickets. It's going to be a good time going to be a good time. If you have a paranormal experience you'd like to share with us in a future show, Kyle's got some deets. You can record
1: yourself or write your story out and shoot it over to the email, which is going to be hollowskypodcast at gmail.com. You can also give us a short summary of your story and ask for an interview because we are entertaining doing those. Um, you can call or text the holophone, which is going to be 1618 556 0837. If you want to send us cool shit, weird shit, scary shit, send that to Hollow Podcast, P.O. Box 145, in Illinois 62031. Uh, we want it all. And yeah, we want to hear about it. We want to hear about all your weird shit and get as much of it out there as we can. We've contemplated a couple of things here and there, like maybe taking your guys' personal stories and putting them in a book, doing stuff like that. So maybe, maybe you'll see that, maybe you won't, I don't know. We we roll around a lot of ideas, and sometimes it just takes time getting to them. I also want to give a belated birthday to our brother R.U. He's a big-time supporter of the show.
0: Hell yeah.
1: So I meant to do it on the uh, last night shift because that was his actual birthday. But I brain farted, got carried away in conversation. So shout out to you, brother. Appreciate you and everything you've done for us.
0: Yes, we and do. all the support. <clears throat> Hope it was a great birthday. Yeah. my friend. Um, If you'd like to support the show, plenty's of way, plenty of ways to do it. Wow. Uh, you can go check out our Patreon uh, over there. We got all kinds of stuff. We got extra content. Uh, you get ad, the shows ad free. Um, You also, they'll drop a little bit early. So for our Patreon members, you get them before everyone else. It's uh, all kinds of good stuff over there. You can go choose a tier. You know how it works. We have a website, HallSkyPodcast.com. You can go and check out some of our merch over there. Uh, we got a Venmo. You can throw some extra pocket change to that if you feel f- so inclined to do so. Best thing you can do is spread the show word of mouth. You know how it is try to recruit new hollow cult members. The more people we get listening to the show, the more opportunity we have to create more content for you guys. And that's the end goal right there is to be able to put out as much content as we can without other dumb shit getting in the way. That being the jobs our stupid jobs. Uh, you can also go to wherever you listen to your favorite podcast and leave us a five-star rating and review That helps us get on to more ears and make make us more easily accessible to people searching for weird shit. Uh, Today's five-star rating and review is brought to us by our friend Bushcraft Baloney. Nice. (laughs) I like that. That's awesome. I'm not a big fan of Baloney, but. (laughs) He's, yeah. Uh, Bushcraft says, one of my favorites, five stars. This is a great podcast with awesome content right up my alley. Well, Bush, bushcraft—that's so hard to say. Bushcraft baloney. Thank you for the kind words. We definitely appreciate you, my friend. I
1: think I think I would go with bushcraft spam Bush over baloney.
0: Craft bratwurst. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I do like bratwurst. Yeah, fire.
1: I was just thinking of the shittiest meat you could possibly get, uh, yeah. and I would much rather have spam over baloney. Oh, not oh. a big baloney guy. Yeah.
0: Uh did I just, I you, eat spam. I, yeah, I do love baloney. <laughs> <But laughs> My youngest boy Maddox loves baloney as well. Oh man. I try I had spam not too long ago, but I can't remember where.
1: It's not it's not that. Oh, is it
0: Hawaiian Bros in Edwardsville? Nice. Right there.
1: Weird weird choice for a restaurant.
0: Yeah, it's Hawaiian food. It's like a, I can't remember the name of it, but it's almost like a sushi roll kind of thing. It's got White rice and then the spam. This is a spam, uh, spam uh, slice, I guess. Yeah. And then yeah. it's wrapped in seaweed. Ugh. it's pretty
1: good. It's better than bologna. I, I used know, to love bologna when that. I was little, but I'm not a bologna guy. <laughs> no sir.
0: We need to hear about a holocaust. Bologna or spam? Got it. We got to. We got to get to the bottom of this. Yeah. Um, uh, but we are gonna move on to our. Listener experience. Exp, uh, listener experience of the day. Wow, my Midwest came through there. The listener experience of the day comes from our friend Helen. Uh, Helen's super active in the Discord. If you, any of you are over there, you know she is our go-to, uh, like our our go-to voice from England. Anytime yeah. I mess up and call something the uh, UK or Great Britain, uh, Helen's right there to point me in the <laughs> right direction. <laughs> But she says, your friend from England. Hey, hollow dudes. I'm Helen from the discord. I probably shared my experience before in the chat, but I'd like, or I thought I'd email them in for you to read and possibly read out on the show. Hopefully it's not too long. Here we go. I must've been about three or four years old. I distinctly remember things things happening to me whilst I was falling asleep in bed. My bed used to face the door, which was always left open a notch outside the room was the hallway and the stairs. Each night, I would gaze out that small opening for security mostly, but as it turned out, that was where the sparks came from. I would see what I could only describe as yellow sparks. They would dance along the banister and into my room. They would dance across the furniture and onto my bed and onto me. I was not scared or threatened. I used to consider them friends and giggle as they played around my room. As the weeks went by, the sparks were accompanied by a man, slim with a large bulbous face, bulging eyes. Dark features and a wide, subtle smile. He would look down upon me as if studying every pore of my skin. He would appear once the sparks had investigated my room. To begin with, he would be crouching or leaning over the side of the bed. Again, I didn't feel scared or threatened. His face made me uncomfortable, but for some reason he always felt familiar to me. On more than one or on more occasion, occasions than I'd like to admit, I would wake up at night in the night and he would be right in my face, almost inches away. If he had a breath, I'd feel it. These times he was standing, or these times he was standing in me, as if the bed and I weren't there. He would just gaze into my eyes, and give me a sly Mona Lisa type smile. That was her f- first. Yeah, which, Helen,
1: what is wrong with you? How right, does that not scare you? Is at first I'm like, oh, it's just it's Faye.
0: That's what I thought. It's Faye. too. But it.
1: But then his creepy ass shows up. And I'm, I I'm sorry, but if I had some weird ass dude,
0: dude, it's it sounds right in like my
1: face with a Mona Lisa smile. I'm, I'm calling creeper.
0: It almost sounds like it's, it's almost like a description of a gray alien. Yes, yeah, disgusting. Large bulbous face. Yeah. Uh, dark features.
1: Absolutely disgusting.
0: Wide smile doesn't really line up, but. And it's almost like these things would come in, like she said, and would
1: the line the white smile lines up with men in black style encounters.
0: Like these these sparks would check the room, make sure it was cool, and then yeah, it's gross, it's disgusting. Yeah, gross, gross. Okay, next story. Near to the house I grew up in is an old mansion built in 1760. It's been owned by many people over the years and had a long history. Since the early 1970s, it's been a community arts center where people can go and take courses in different arts and crafts, dance lessons, music teachings, and many others. It has a theater, a cinema, a restaurant, and a bar, which as I got older became a regular hangout for me and my friends. The house has also been known for hauntings, possibly because a previous owner committed suicide by shooting themselves in the head in the gun room. What's more, two children died in a fire back there in the late 1800s. When I was five years old, I had a dream so real and disturbing. I remember it vividly to this day. I was standing at the bottom of a broad wooden staircase, carpeted with elegant stair rods. It was nighttime. Outside, I could hear thunder and lightning. I made my way up the stairs slowly, seemingly effortlessly as if I was floating. At the top of the staircase was a large landing, where the stairs continued up in the opposite direction. I paused on this landing to look out of the huge window in front of me. The rain was streaming down the glass, illuminated by the dim candlelight that was coming from somewhere in the house with me. Thunder roared and a huge bolt of lightning lit up outside, showing me a glimpse of acres of garden and lawns. I turned and continued slowly up the next flight of stairs. At the top, I found myself facing a long hallway, carpeted in the same regal covering as the stairs. I became aware of a deep humming sound, which at first I thought was due to the storm outside. The sound was not a sound, it was a sensation. It filled my head and seemed to take over my body. I just couldn't think of anything else. I was suddenly drawn further down the hall. Slowly but quicker than before, I glided along, unaware of why or where I was going. The humming became louder, and the deeper the humming became louder and deeper the further I went. I came to a stop at a huge wooden door with a large round golden doorknob. Glancing up, I saw a gold plaque in the door which said green room. I watched as my hand went for the doorknob. As if someone was controlling my body, I turned it and the door clunked open. The vibration was almost unbearable. The humming was so loud it shook my bones. I stood in the doorway to the room and stared in. The room was square with green wallpaper and a large window, numerous portraits on the wall, and a large rug hung in the center. It was dark except for the glow of some invisible candles. In the middle of the room were five figures, positioned in two rows vertical to me. Three were on one side and two on the other all facing each other. They were the source of the intense humming. As I stood there for just a few seconds, the humming stopped as if it had been turned off with a switch. The five figures in unison turned on the spot to face me. They were in long black robes with a large hood, which completely obscured their faces, or it would have done if they had faces. Despite the dark room and the blackness of the capes, the space where their faces should have been was as pitch black as a void, a black hole, where it seemed no light could enter. They stared at me with no eyes and no face. The thunderstorm just raged on. I realized the figures were floating. I felt no threat, just a sense of completeness. I felt at home. I floated into the room and took my place next to the two others, now forming two perfect rows of three. We all turned and faced each other. Without my control and in sync with the others, I began to hum. A couple years had passed since this dream, now I was probably 7 or 8 years old, and I went on a school day trip to the local art center. I was really excited as I had seen the house before but never knew what it was. We went inside and while the teacher was gathering us all up together for a head count, I saw a broad wooden staircase with a deep red carpet and golden stair rods. I felt fixated. I remember the humming sensation. Someone asked to use the toilet, the toilet and was directed upstairs. Now was my chance. I asked to go to and was given a nod. As I set foot on the first step, I knew exactly where I was going. I don't know why or how. The large window on the landing looked out over the gardens and the lawns, which felt like I'd known a lifetime ago. More stairs, then a hallway. The hallway. A sign said toilets one way, but I was drawn the other. I walked in that direction and there was a door. The door. It was, a large, it was large and wooden and had a plaque on it that said green room. I recall being so terrified and excited at the same time. I desperately wanted to open it, but all of a sudden a a woman appeared and asked me what I was doing. I told her I was looking for the toilets, and she directed me back up the hall. I was so disappointed. I asked her what what was in that room, and she said just offices. To this day, I still don't know what was or was in that room. I can only guess. I think it might have been green wallpaper. Or I think it might have green wallpaper. Uh, that one was also weird, Helen.
1: Yeah, it makes it sound like you, in a past life, you might have been a part of a damn S- ritual. Cult.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I, f- you, you, I feel like you need to go check the room now. I feel like everything like, else lined up. I feel like Helen's a
1: hard ass because in both these cases, she's like, "I didn't feel scared. I felt." At home. So I'm ready. I'm ready to go. It's so weird. I'm ready to go. It's so weird. Uh, and because the, the figures themselves sound ominous. I mean, they don't sound welcoming at all.
0: No. And she just said, yeah, the term, I felt completeness.
1: Really bizarre.
0: Helen, have you ever had a past life regression? <laughs> <laughs> because I think that would be interesting. Definitely. For you to take part in. Um, she's got a couple more here. Next one. My mom and I used to stare. <laughs> she wrote it, mom. My mom and I used to stare out the window for a while before I got into bed. I was about 12 years old. We'd chat, listen to the trees, and watch the hedgehog scurrying around the lawn. One night, it was cloudy, and the sky was its usual shade of orange from the streetlights. It was unusually quiet. Only a faint bristling of the pine and birch trees. A light flashed behind the clouds like lightning, yet no thunder. A greenish-white rectangle light appeared obscured by the clouds either within or behind the light was blinking, blinking on and off for a few seconds then it began flashing along a horizontal line sequentially there may have been another line of smaller lights above this one flashing sequentially with it in time this persisted for about a minute and then the lights just faded out no sound just peaceful and quiet ufo man Word. uh she say rectangle yeah greenish-white rectangle. Uh,
1: rather interesting yeah. color combo.
0: Yeah, and you have we have heard uh, more regularly now of a- the rectangle. Like, normally you hear triangle-shaped UFOs but shaped UFOs, but we have had a couple encounters of where people have seen the rectangle-esque almost like not a cube, but for lack of a better term a cube of a rectangle. Like, we had two or three accounts of them yeah. over the cities, which kind of lines up um, with the shape here, throw back to my early twenties. I was in my second year of university and my grandmother had passed away. Not long after I had started my course, I was working in a hardware store as a Saturday assistant just to earn some drinking money. The town I lived in worked and studied in this very old Gregorian. Oh, wow. I didn't say that right. The town I lived in one more time, Steve, one more time. The town I lived, worked, and studied in is very old. Georgian origin, which is around the early 1700s. And the majority of the shops on the the high street are old buildings. One particular shift, I had gone upstairs to look for some stock. Whilst I was there, I decided to grab a drink of water in the staff room. I was standing at the sink, and there was a mirror on the wall. Behind me, in the reflection, was a woman standing in the doorway. I spun around to ask if I could help her. As I thought, she was a customer who had gotten lost, but she disappeared. I walked out of the room and looked around, but I couldn't see her anywhere. I called out, no answer. I turned around and she was there, an inch in front of my face. She ran her hand down my cheek and vanished. I ran like the wind. I got downstairs and my boss stopped me. She grabbed me and exclaimed, what the hell is wrong with you? I really couldn't and didn't want to explain, you know, because people will think you're crazy. She looked at me strangely, like she was inspecting my face. She then touched my face gently I'm freaking out right now, as you can imagine. She told me to come upstairs with her. I didn't want to, but I did. We went straight to our little rooftop smoking area, uh, and we shared a cigarette in silence. All of a sudden, she piped up. I don't normally tell people this, people I work with, but when I'm not at my day job, I'm a medium. I can see that someone has touched your face, someone who isn't here. I can sense that person was here, but they're gone now. They just wanted to touch someone living. (sighs) That gave me goosebumps. That's... (sighs)
1: That statement itself is depressing Yeah It's like ultra, ultra depressing Yeah
0: Just Yeah
1: Because it makes it sound like they live a life of longing now Yeah Like almost like They miss you, it Yeah, you picture them being stuck in a place And she's like, I, I just want to feel an alive person again Yeah, that's awful It's so depressing Yeah
0: After a few minutes of awkward silence and unspoken acknowledgement of what happened, she took my hand and told me a lady named Olive also said that she's proud of you. I burst into tears as Olive was my grandmother's name. Uh, last one here. The stag and hounds is a 13th century pub in a beautiful little village, which I worked in after leaving university. I was the manager. So I had the privilege of living there for some time. The pub has an immense history and has a fair share of spooky goings-on. I witnessed on a few occasions a girl and a boy around the age of six running up and down the passageway that runs through the old stables, prison cells, to the restaurant area. I would follow them, and they would just disappear. Numerous customers had also asked me about them and whether their parents could keep them under control, not realizing that they themselves were witnessing ghost children. Sometimes when I was at the bar, pulling pints and taking orders, there would be a man standing next to me. I could sense him and see him in my peripheral. Uh, If I turned my eyes or head slowly, he would vanish. He would also walk past me in the mornings when I would be sitting at a table cashing up around 6 a.m. At night, I would hear banging and screaming coming from downstairs. I'd go down and the noise would be coming from the cupboard next to one of the smaller fireplaces. I'd see the cupboard door moving as if there was someone inside hammering on it to get out. This cupboard, if you open it, was only about six inches deep and had shelves inside. There's no way you could even fit a cat inside there. I frequently woke up in the middle of the night to see a man sitting on the edge of my bed. He was a bright blue, white glowing creature, and he would just sit there staring at me. I leant over one night to touch his arm, and as predicted, he vanished. The final experience was the one that made me leave. I was asleep, and a loud screeching noise woke me up. It was dark, but in the corner of the room by the ceiling was a large dark object, which... Uh, or I felt was a bird, and it was a raven. It was hovering, but it was cawing and screaming and flapping its wings in distress. I could sense in my mind that it was telling me to leave, that I was in danger. I was frozen to the bed, but I understood what I had to do. When I woke up the next morning, my boyfriend, who had been sleeping next to me, immediately told me that he hadn't slept well. He said he kept hearing a baby crying and screaming in the night, and then he felt so uncomfortable about it, he wanted to leave. I told him about my experience, and that very morning we handed our notices in. We worked our month's notice period and about 2 weeks after we moved out, our half of the building caught fire. Our bedroom, lounge and the bathroom were gutted. Yet the restaurant downstairs was untouched. Luckily no one was hurt, otherwise it could have added to the spectral visitors. Hope you enjoy this. Peace and stay weird, Helen. Helen. England is wild.
1: Yeah, a lifetime of strangeness there.
0: Yeah. I feel like we could have we could have turned this into a conversation. Because I feel like I need to hear this Like directly from you Yeah Because <sighs>
1: Damn It's crazy That You essentially got a warning From the other side Yeah It sounds like the other side Has a very Deep Interest in you
0: Yes Somebody out there Is looking out yeah. for you Or checking in on you Or keeping tabs on you Just
1: everything that you've been through It's all It all it, Like all your experiences are Personal Yeah like it's not just like seeing, uh, like a shadow person walk through the your house like Steve does. It's yeah. not just seeing the, a glimpse of something. It is all personal to you. Like it all interacts with you in this very comforting slash bizarre manner.
0: Yeah, the enti- the weird entities are strange. Like the blue man Super and the weird. That shit's weird, man. I don't know.
1: I think most people probably wouldn't handle it as well as she has. No, it's
0: it's almost like it's second nature. Yeah. Like, oh, weird shit's happening. Oh, well, yeah. Weird shit's happening. Right. You know? That's yeah. I'm
1: And you know what? Good on you on getting the fuck out of there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. To to Listen to the other side when they're trying to give you messages yeah. is, is a big part of just getting messages from the other side, I feel like. Because a lot of people just write them off. Oh, yeah. That's that's awesome. Uh, yeah. And England, England's weird.
1: Yes, it is.
0: But we appreciate you, Helen. Thank you so much for writing these in. Um, Yeah. That's weird. That's weird. Since we're in England... The UK, Great Britain. I'm just going to cover the whole gamut of all of that island over there. That way we can get it figured out. We are going back to Holfenog, the Hellfire Farm. And we're going right back in to the terror that this poor family is experiencing at their new home. Which is awful. If you haven't listened to part one, please go back and do so. This is going to be a multi-parter. I'm digging my way through this book and I keep finding little nuances and I'm like, oh, I could skip that. But then if you skip things, I don't feel like it paints the whole picture of what this family was going through, how it stacks up and how it is affecting their mental health and how is it it's affecting their health as a whole and as a family. So I keep going back and forth on what I should add, what I shouldn't. Definitely check out the book testimony by uh mark chadbourne i think yes go check it out if you're interested in more of the story but to recap a little bit uh this family bill and liz and bill's teenage son from their first his first marriage move into a new farmhouse on the at the base of this mountain. And they get there and everything's meant. They love it. Bill's an artist. He has a studio where he can put all his thoughts together and paint and everything's going good. He's making money on his paintings. And then they have uh, their second child. And from there, kind of sort of like the Andrews family haunting, uh, things start to go awry. And it's whatever is plaguing this family is essentially kind of attacking them from all sides. Everything about their livelihood is going downhill and it's all leading back to what's going on in this house. So be sure to go back and listen to that before you listen to this. So at the end of the last episode, uh, the house was being blessed. That was, this is where they're at. They're like, Okay, we need to get uh, someone of some sort of spiritual background in here to help us. So four days after the initial blessing of the house, Bill was headed into town. Liz and her son Ben were walking around the farm in his stroller. It was getting close to noon, so Liz decided to head back and make some lunch. She pushed the, pushed the little stroller past the gate to the house. When she glanced up, her blood went, went cold. Staring from the window of the baby's room was a face. The details she could make out uh, was so great, she immediately dismissed the idea of it being a trick of light. It was undeniable. Someone was looking out from the nursery of the home. As soon as their eyes locked, the face faded out. Liz described it as being a woman. It was an old woman based on the wrinkles from her face. She said she was horribly pale and her eyes were empty black holes. Even through the fear, Liz stated that she could feel sadness in the the entity's face. So up to this point, they had not had any sort of apparition. This is where it kind of goes to the next step, where they're starting to see apparitions in the home. Up to this, it was footsteps, climate change, uh, phantom smells, weird sounds and shit, but now it's actually taken a form. Bill got home not long after and found Liz and Ben huddled in the front room. Knowing something wasn't right, he asked Liz what had happened, and all she could say was, It's not gone, it's still here. Because after they had had the blessing of the house, everything was quiet. They thought that they had got ahead of whatever was messing with them, but they did not. "'Liz was quick to point out that she saw the phantom of an old woman. "'While she was scared, she said it was a different kind of feeling "'than she had had prior to the priest's visit. "'She told Bill that she felt no malice or evil "'when she looked into the face of the old vanishing woman, "'just sadness and loneliness, "'leading them to believe that while the apparition of the old woman "'was part of what plagued the home, "'it was not the only thing that was in there. "'There was more than one entity.' This sparked the couple to start out researching occupants of the home and the manner that had accompanied it desperate in a desperate attempt to try to find any information as to what was causing the onslaught of fear in their home. To almost try to rationalize some of what's going on. If they could look back through the history and find, oh, hey, this old woman lived here, she passed on, maybe we could put a face to the phantom and kind of drive that little part of the haunting out like like okay we've got this one nailed down now what's going on with what's going on in the rest of the house because as they stated the initial hauntings just was just innate fear like they were afraid they felt like something was there to harm them but this she said just she just felt almost felt sorry for the old woman um, they had discovered that... Uh, they reached out to a local historian to look into some of the history of Hell Fanog and try to find anything that might be of any interest. They discovered quite a few older women had lived on the property through the years, but none that stood out as to who could have been the old woman that peered through Ben's window. It's worth noting that around this time, Bill had contacted the local paper, the Brecon and Radnor express asking to be interviewed. If for nothing else, just to get his story's family out there and see if anyone else had any similar experiences or information on the home's history, which in turn would cause people to reach out to him so he could get new information. Not long after Liz saw the old woman, they started to have issues with their main bathroom downstairs. One morning out of nowhere, the toilet had completely unseated itself from the floor and started to rise up from the tiles it was attached to. Bill made the eerie statement, Quote, it was as if something beneath the stones was trying to push its way up and out. That's gross.
1: Sucks. That's gross.
0: It is.
1: I thought maybe the old lady was doing some toilet clogging or something, but the fact that I don't like how he words that. Yeah. It's just really not cool.
0: I had to put that in there like like something was trying to dig its way up from underneath the stones. And if you went back and listened to the last one, this thing... Almost took some s- weird sense of pride in making the family seem like they're crazy. They called the septic inspectors out for the smell, and as soon as they got there, the smell dissipated to where the septic inspector's like, uh, we're, there's nothing going on here, right? Same way with the electricity bill, the electric is just constantly. Churning and churning, so they call the electricity company out, and they replace the meters they're, and shit. Yeah. They're like, we, we don't know what to tell you. Um, Bill checked everything. Broken pipes, leaking water. He even thought that maybe the ground had frozen and forced the pipes up through the floor, moving the toilet with it. But he realized it hadn't even been cold enough to frost yet a hell- whole Holfenauk. He stopped his search and just called a plumber to come out to check the toilet. But just as with the septic sulfur smells, less than 15 minutes before the plumber arrived, the floor of the bathroom returned to its original position. The plumber came in, could find nothing. The floor was dry and solid, no leaks, nothing. The fuck? He reseated and fastened the toilet. So the toilet
1: did show signs of...
0: It was unseated. Something had taken it... 30 minutes later when Liz went in to use the restroom after the plumber had left the toilet was again unseated and the floor was rising again Dude <laughs> It's awful It's like an on it's it's like fucking That would
1: almost piss me off
0: yeah, It's like it's like paranormal gaslighting Yeah Like oh these people are crazy these people are crazy
1: Yeah that that would piss me off to to no end having something like that happen where you're like really come on like make up your mind stop stop being a dick it's
0: ridiculous and you don't like like we talked about it's nothing super crazy no no it's it's all little shit like like oh i can deal with this i can deal with this and that right there is
1: like you can explain it away it's so It would be the equivalent of hearing weird noises in your house and being like, well, the house is settling.
0: Yep. Bill immediately called the plumber back and explained what was going on. But then the plumber said something that really sparked Bill's attention. He said, I've had enough of coming back to that place. Bill immediately dug in on what information the man had. The man stated in, quote, this is a quote from the book that the plumber had stated, he said, I worked for there for a while in the 60s, putting the central heating system in. There was something about the place. I had a young apprentice working with me, and he felt something. It was late November or early December, and the nights were drawing in early. We'd work until 5, and by that time it was already dark outside. And you know how lonely it is up there. Anyway, one night I told the lad I had to run to Brecon early. And he should finish up what was going on for the day. He point-blank refused. He said he wasn't going to stay In that place, on his own, for anyone, even if I offered him overtime pay. He said there's something off about the place. He always felt someone was watching him. He was bloody scared, and I could see it in his face. That's not all, though. I'm not a man who's easily spooked by things. I don't have much time for ghosts and ghouls or things like that. But the day after we put all the central heating system in, I got an angry call from the owner. I came rushing up to the house and all of the radiators I had installed had come off the walls. All of them. Every single one. I'm very particular and take pride in my work, and I knew we did a good job. There's no way this could have happened. But I refashioned them each refastened them each myself and double checked them. The next morning, another call. It had happened again. By this time I had realized that something weird was going on. There was no way those radiators could have came off the wall unless someone pulled them off the wall or took them down intentionally. And I'm pretty sure the owner didn't spend all night tearing them down just to bother me. So I went back and I refastened them again. But I remember what my apprentice had said. And I too was starting to feel uneasy. But I just kept doing it and doing it, night after night, and I was getting more frightened by it. It was like something wanted me to come back to that house, day after day. I was racking my mind as to what I could do to stop it. Because every time I anchored those radiators to the wall, something would find a way to detach them. Then I had an idea. I don't know what it was that sparked it. If it was just something in my heart told me to do it, I decided to use cruciform screws, the kind with the crosses cut into the end of them. The immediate instant I sank those radiators to the wall, they stayed fastened and never came off.
1: (laughs) So essentially he used like Phillips head screwdrivers or screws.
0: I'll have to look them up, whatever cruciform screws are.
1: It's got to be Phillips. Because <laughs> it would be really dumb to have it, like, an actual crucifix style. Yeah. Because <laughs> then you would, I don't know, it'd be weird. Uh, that's fucking strange, though.
0: I hate the fact that he was like, something wanted me to keep coming back. That didn't set moves. No, it makes you feel like...
1: Me. It has every intention of infection. Yeah. Oh, no, I want you to come here so I can attach to you and follow you home. Yeah. Spread the disease.
0: It was gross. So Bill took the plumber to be a sincere man and had no reason to lie to him. It also gave him sort of a weird sense of comfort that maybe whatever was haunting them now was there before they had moved into the farm. So it's not just attached to them. It's not attached to them specifically.
1: Yeah, it's still no comfort, though. It's the house. Yeah. It's zero comfort for me.
0: And I think at this point, they were just looking for any kind of answers they could get. Oh, I'm sure. Um, not long after this, Bill's interview with the Brecken and Radnor Express came out. At this point, the house had fallen back into a full-on onslaught. The footsteps... Every single day. The smells every single day. The temperature changes every single day. Uh, The batteries in the car dying every single day. He and Liz now named it as the fear. The fear was back, and it was there all the time. A constant dread that something awful was getting closer and closer by the day. Bill said it was almost like, quote, Chinese water torture, slowly trying to drive him insane. At this point, he and Liz had a sit-down and decided it was time to give up the farm and move the family somewhere else. They'd reached their limit and wanted to get out before something terrible had happened. A couple hours after Bill's interview dropped, he was contacted by a local contractor that had worked on the renovation of the home. The man stated that while he didn't have any odd experiences at the home itself, he did have quite a few uneasy feelings working on the old manor that was torn down uh, to renovate uh, the Hellfire Farm. He confirmed there was an old cemetery there. And that the headstones were in fact used in the resi- in the renovations. Why
1: would you do that?
0: Why, Cutting corners, why in boy. Why the
1: fuck would you do that? Save save them dollars. That just sounds so well. A disrespectful as hell. Yes. Irresponsible as fuck. Yes. And it's it just asking
0: whoa. for a haunted house.
1: Yeah. Yes. My lord. No wonder why all them spirits are pissed. They're like, oh. So you decided to put my headstone into a house because you're a tight ass. Cool. Awesome. Sounds about right. Sounds like something our jobs
0: would do. (laughs) I was thinking the same thing. Save the money, boy. Um, Bill stated that the man didn't seem like he bought into the supernatural all that much. But he did say if the cemetery was disturbed, what else may have been disturbed?
1: What does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. What does that mean?
0: Bro, you were the one working on the renovations. Why didn't you think that was a bad idea?
1: This is what I'm talking about. Oh, stop. Everybody, (laughs) stop with the cryptic bullshit. (laughs) What do you mean when you say, what else was disturbed? What else was on this farm? (laughs) Seriously. Something be. Not only was there, like, did we have witch trials here? Do we have satan- satanic rituals taking place? What, what, what are you referring to? You obviously have something in mind when you say what else was disturbed. Yeah.
0: Hmm. <laughs> everybody, everybody around that place is like, I don't know. Yeah. There's no good luck there. Right.
1: Yeah. Like, stop, stop with the cryptic shit, man.
0: At this point, Bill's got to be like, Well, no shit. My business is failing. My right. house is haunted. I'm going broke.
1: Give me a fucking
0: break. I'm losing my fucking mind.
1: <laughs> and I, I was going to say that, too, about the couple. Like, they were, they're they're starting to rationalize. Well, A, they named it, which is fucking terrible. Um, but they're rationalizing it. And I'm like, in my head, which you got to it. But in my head, I'm like, okay. So if you guys are, like, rationalizing it, you've named it, you are living in utter distress, I feel like it's time to go. Yeah. It's time to leave.
0: Because, I mean, we know the stress of being a young family, having young kids. Could you imagine that, like, the exponential stress that would be tacked onto that, having to deal with this shit?
1: No, because I would probably do something really stupid.
0: Like build a house out of tombstones?
1: Not that stupid. (laughs) I would probably get in a fit of rage and be like, all right. You want that smoke, motherfucker? Come get that smoke. I'm here. (laughs) I'm ready. Let's do this. We're going to duke it out right the fuck now. I'm tired of you messing with my family. You and me. Let's go. (laughs) Let's go. And then you'll see me out in the front yard getting my ass kicked by an invisible force.
0: That would make good internet. Yeah. So the same day that the contractor contacted uh, Bill... Liz was watching TV when she had a sudden urge to check on Ben, who was asleep upstairs in his crib. He hadn't made a sound or anything alarming. Liz just felt the need to put eyes on him to make sure he was okay. Call it second nature, mother instinct, motherly instinct, what have you. She quietly made her way up the stairs and down the hall into his room. She opened the door to the nursery, but it wasn't Ben's crib that caught her attention. It was the rocking chair sitting next to it, the one where she'd often feed Ben and rock him to sleep. In the chair was an old woman. The apparition wasn't solid, but almost like a smear of black and gray against the playful colors of the nursery. Liz was sure it was the same woman she saw peer through the window. Her face turned toward Ben, like she was like the entity was sitting there watching him sleep, her hands folded in her lap. The second Liz blinked, the old woman was gone. But this was the last straw. Liz rushed into Ben's studio and told him that they had to go. They packed Ben up and left the Hellfire Farm. They went directly to the housing board. They filed the appropriate forms and waited for an appointment from the housing office. They begged and pleaded to be rushed into rehousing, but they knew how crazy they would sound if they talked about the haunting. They tried to convey it when they were asked why they wanted to leave a perfectly good rented accommodation for a council property. But at the end, stating that an uncomfortable presence or being unhappy there wasn't enough to rush them through to a much demanded council home, although the official did agree to process the paperwork, they knew how long it took them to to be able to rent the Hellfire Farm.
1: No, not acceptable. (laughs) I'd be like, give me a box. Or you don't know what? No, no, no. Give me a parking lot. I'll just uh, just give give me a a parking lot. (laughs) I'll go sleep in my car. Don't care. I see a lady sitting in my son's room. I don't know you at all? No. <laughs> Rocking chair thrown out in the front yard and burnt. <laughs> and I'm I'm not leaving my child alone in that room anymore. Not happening. No fucking way. It would be It could it could be one of the innocent spirits there. I have no idea at this point. But I don't care. You're not welcome in my house.
0: Kick rocks. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Fucking
1: pay rent somewhere else. Get out. <laughs> Move. I don't. And, and if it was me when I went to the housing authority, I'd be like, no, there is shit inside this house. I don't give a fuck if you think that I'm crazy. It does not matter to me. It's relevant. All I know is that I'm in huge amounts of distress. I'm leaving this place bottom line not to mention i'm just going to throw this the fuck out there if that's not good enough reason to move out of this home because you idiots used headstones in the in the creation of this so there's strike number 1 strike number 2 i'm being terrorized by spectral terrorists and <laughs> I was, then three I was waiting for it. three this is the most logical of the bunch and should be more than enough to get me out of this fucking house. The electric bill is $5,000. Yeah, the electric bill itself. Insanely more than it should be, which is more than enough reason for me to go, nah, living live in here.
0: I'd say, hey, charge this electric bill to the paranormal terrorists that live in this home.
1: <laughs> That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. Problem solved. They're doing something. I don't know what they're doing. Don't want to know what they're doing. But they are costing me shitloads of money, and I'm out. Yep. I can't afford this place. Can't do it.
0: It's uh, it's it's almost like it's it's prepping. It's 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 trying to keep them there.
1: Oh yeah, I could totally agree with that. Yes, but I'm just saying I'm the type of person that's entirely too stubborn and does at that point doesn't just give a shit.
0: Burning some bitch. Yeah,
1: that that's a good idea. <laughs> I would I would contemplate it. I'd be like, listen, babe. We're gonna light some candles, and then we're gonna we're gonna turn kick them, off. them over. We're gonna that, <laughs> or we're gonna turn all like all the all the burners on the gas stove on, and then we're gonna leave, and we're gonna wait till the house fills up enough to where them candles blow the
0: up. <laughs> oh, because I'm oh, done God. with this place. I'm done. Um, they also realized that with Bill's failing business, they couldn't afford to buy something. They realized that the house had essentially trapped them. And furthermore the fun- the family's funds were dwindling. Uh, bill's last few clients fell completely through and he was at the point where he didn't even know if he was going to be able to feed his family within the next few weeks. They reevaluated their bills and decided the first one that they could cut is their phone bill. That's a terrible idea. Meaning the farm would essentially be cutting off their only form of communication with idea. the outside world.
1: The investigators would go, "Hey Steve, why You say the house accidentally caught on fire. Why were there cans of gas in the living room?
0: I I told you the terrorists live here. (laughs) Paranormal Casper, the unfriendly ass. They,
1: They were into huffing gas, and they must have accidentally knocked over their seance candles while huffing
0: gas. Yeah, that's the only way to explain it. Yeah. So the farm continues its relentless attack on the family, now targeting Bill. It seems like the more stress and trauma Bill has in his life, the more this thing just stacks it on, stacks it on. He wakes up one morning in just severe pain and agony. He can't move his hands. He said he felt like they were on fire. So he made his way to the bathroom, and as the, he's kind of gaining his bearings and the sleep's kind of... Leaving his eyes, he starts to look at his hands and realize, like, what's causing him so much pain. His hands were so swollen that he said his fingers were almost to the point of popping. He said he had deep gashes on his fingertips and they were oozing blood and oh like God. pus. He said he could barely move. So them. they were getting
1: ready to, like, they were splitting like hot dogs. Yes. And he, he ironically had. enough, those are what he makes his living with.
0: Bingo. Weird. He said when he went to bed the night before, Nothing. Hands were fine. Got up the next morning, can't even move them. He thought maybe he had an allergic reaction to one of his paints or some of the thinners he used, but he'd never had the issue before. Which is
1: exactly what a doctor would say. Yep. You had an allergic reaction to something. We don't know what. And how many, you hear that shit all the time too. Don't know what it was. Can't figure it out, but it was just an allergic reaction. That's all it was. And nothing to worry about. Yep. Nothing to worry
0: about. Exactly what happens. I thought he was considering like this this never ending attack on them, and he, the thought come to his head. He went to a studio and tried to hold a paintbrush with his busted ass hands. He Can't could not do it. do it. The house has now taken the last bit of livelihood he had. He yeah. cannot provide for his family. Bro, I'm now. telling you, I would fight it. I would be calling that at that point. I'd be calling
1: that motherfucker out. Let's go.
0: Liz used the last little bit of their phone time she had on their phone bill to make some calls to try to get any advice she could. She called her mother, called her her sister, called some of her friends, and a friend recommended a medium. Liz got in contact with her.
1: Fuck that. I'm (laughs) saying go with our advice. Burn the fucking place
0: down. (laughs) The woman listened to everything Liz said was going on, and the medium almost seemed frightened for her and her family. So much so that the medium refused to come home to the home herself.
1: You see, there is another massive red flag.
0: She said, no, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. (laughs) And she wasn't even there. She just heard about what was going
1: on and goes, I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. She did recommend getting in contact with the head of the Christian Spiritualist Church in Cardiff, Ray Williams, which Liz did. She explained all the ongoings and especially what was going on with Lawrence. And Ray agreed to visit ASAP. Liz asked what they should do in regards to Lawrence. And Ray suggested that they remove the boy from the home immediately for his own safety. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? What the fucking head spirit guys like get the kid out. This now uh, this was like another bullet to Bill's heart. This entity. The fear it's single-handedly dismantled is single-handedly dismantling his life, and it's made his way down to one of the things he held most dear, his own son, and now it's starting to chip away at that bond as well. See? Which, I'm you, if call you ch- bitch out. yeah, if you check the last episode, this is uh, Lawrence's Bill's son from his previous marriage. Uh, according to the book, the mother had kind of walked out, um, and the kid was. At first was handling it well, but once he got into uh, the Hellfire Farm, a he his whole personality and attitude just took a massive turn. Um, go back and listen to it. Uh, Which it just gets, goes
1: to show that it plays on
0: trauma, trauma. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Because he he would have had. I mean, even if he was handling it, you know, it still hurt. Yeah. Like, it's not something you want to happen.
0: Yeah, 100%.
1: That's fucking creepy that it just amplifies. Like, it it takes your skeletons, even if you've long buried them, long accepted them, but it finds that that seed, and it just starts to grow and fester. Yes. And just, ah, oh
0: man. It just plays on, It not only does it play on your vulnerability, but it also plays on the things that you love. Yeah. So it's kind of and it like hits your pocketbook. It hits like just it's just constantly sucks, making man. you try to think that you're going nuts.
1: Yeah, it, it, it and it's hitting him on all fronts now. Yeah, the dude, his dude is health, struggling. his family, and you nutty. know,
0: their relationship, him and is cannot be going well at this no, point. No, not With at all. With as much of this un unwarranted stress that's going on. Not at all. It's yeah,
1: yeah. That sucks, man. Yeah, because I, I feel for him. That sucks.
0: Yes. So from what I'm getting uh, from this book, this Ray Williams kind of sounds like a fucking hack. That's, the spirit
1: guy? Yeah. What an idiot.
0: Yeah. So Ray Williams was adamant that the issue was simply a poltergeist brought on by Lawrence's angst. Yeah, I would have said, are you dumb? Yeah. The teenager was in the middle of traumatic experiences, and that negativity was manifesting itself into these experiences, and the whole family was having to deal with it. He stated that removing Lawrence from the home would be the only way to actually start cleansing the home, although he stressed that removing Lawrence would not end the phenomenon, but it would help Lawrence out. Whatever he had brought into the home would remain there until the home itself was also cleansed.
1: I mean, I could agree with that, that it would probably help Lawrence out. Yeah, by taking him yeah. out of the situation. Yeah, but that's the only thing I can fucking agree with.
0: If nothing else, like it would get if if he is struggling with the stepmom and the new baby and shit, getting him out of there would essentially let him breathe a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Breath, breath of fresh
1: air. Exactly. It's totally understandable too. You could you could totally feel like if if you were the dad in that situation, you could understand that your previous son is a little bit jelly. Of the new kid. That type of... like Those things happen, right? Mm -hmm. What doesn't happen is you punch brick walls until your hands bleed. And then you cry yourself to sleep.
0: They said that he had not gotten physical with the stepmom. But it was to where he would uh, constantly yell curse. Curse words at her. Constantly spit at her. He, He said as soon as it would turn dark... Lawrence would go into his room and turn on horror movies as loud as they could go.
1: That's weird.
0: Constantly just screaming and murder and keeping the baby. up. That's not
1: normal, man. Like you got to know that's not normal. Yeah. That's not normal at all.
0: So Ray. Yeah. We're, I'm going to wrap this up kind of close here. Uh, Ray came in. They told him, everything that was going on, and he was adamant that everything that had been laid out, that Lawrence was the root cause. For some reason, he was focusing all of his... like Probably because he was the distraught teen. He described him as a confused individual, likely yeah. responsible for sparking the poltergeist phenomenon. There you go. I
1: Yeah, I'm with you at this point. Ray is a hack, and he he's using almost like common logic to State his case, and to make himself sound more intelligent than he actually is, yeah, right. Because you're gonna pick on the poor kid who's. Ha- I don't know. It also makes it sound like Ray doesn't even fucking believe what's going on. Actually,
0: no, just kind of played it off.
1: Yeah, well, and he's he's pointing the he's putting the blame on the distraught teen who's having a hard time.
0: Yep. And when Ray came up, he brought two other spiritualists. Um, one was not named in the book, but the other was uh, called Mr. Harry. The first thing that they did was he take legit. Bill up to their studio and did an aura cleansing. This involved the richest sitting in the center of the room while the spiritualists passed their hands around their bodies about six inches away from their skin. Afterwards, the three men washed their hands and professed that Bill and Liz were clean and they left soon after making plans for a return visit where they could treat the home. I know
1: exactly what would happen if that was me and Steve in that room and they did that to us.
0: The That's second
1: it. they left, me and Steve would go, these guys are idiots.
0: That's exactly what Bill said. And I'm going, <laughs> I'm going to get, we're going to wrap that up here. Uh, we're going to go into a part three, but it'll be a gonna little end, while. going to end with. Bills like these guys are idiots. <laughs> yeah, um, just I'll just I'll just leave it at this. We got some Bill's testimony we're gonna get into because what these spiritualists come up with are so wild. Oh, that, I'm so excited to hear this because as Liz has stated before, she was kind of kind of on board with like the paranormal, like ghosts terrified her, and she talks in the book about regretting listening to ray williams because Uh he was telling her that lawrence is the problem lawrence is the problem she said that she didn't know anything about the spirit anything about spirituality or like the ghost world so she was like i was taking advice for him the same as you would take advice from a mechanic working on your car oh no you trust them they know more than you
1: dude and that almost i hate to even think about this but it almost makes you think, because after you said that, it made my brain start spinning. It almost makes you feel like the entity had a, a hand in Ray getting picked, mm-hmm. in the whole situation. Because I didn't, I didn't even think about that. The like, what would happen when you do put the blame on Lawrence? Because he is from a different woman. So now you're creating a mass yep. wedge. Between new mama and, and the
0: son. Yep, yep. And they said Ray was adamant that Lawrence was the cause. Oh, no. So we're going to get into when uh, Ray and the spiritualists get back and come to treat the house because... I'm excited for this. They go into some weird shit, but I will tell you, this is quote from Bill. I'm going to leave us here with this. After the aura cleansing, Bill's testimony... Quote, my own personal feeling was that after the spiritualist's first visit, I certainly didn't feel any different as a result of the cleansing of my auras. End quote.
1: These guys suck. Bill's
0: struggling and these guys are not helping this poor man.
1: I hope he's not paying them.
0: We are going to come back. It won't be next week uh, because it's going to get busy. And I didn't expect this to take on more episodes, but... Uh, I kind of want to just put the whole story out here because it I is... I do too. I'm, I'm enjoying it so far, so I definitely want to hear all of it. So we're going to come back in a couple weeks. It won't be next week because we got another episode lined out, but the week after that we'll be there. And uh, we're going to see what these spiritualists come up with. And... um. Essentially, I'll give you a little precursor here. That's a pun because they blame this on something that Bill had done from uh, in a past life from the 16th century.
1: Oh. oh. Yes. Hell yeah. I'm definitely... This was. ready for
0: this. this is, I'll just leave it here. It was something that had been conjured up from the 16th century because of what you have done in a previous life.
1: That's what I'm going to start blaming all my shortcomings on.
0: 100%.
1: It was something I did in the 1600s from my past
0: life, bro. <laughs> That's what I, you can't blame me. Yeah. I was a different person. <laughs> I was a different person 500 years ago.
1: That's awesome. Okay. That is awesome.
0: I love that the first dude was like, hey, it's Lawrence. He didn't even come back to the house after that.
1: Lawrence? Or the first dude? Ray. Oh, he's just like, I'm out. It's the kid's fault. Your
0: teenager's fucked. Yeah. He's like, I'm out. Just deuces. Get
1: get rid of the kid and everything will go back to
0: normal. He said, Mr. Harry, go up there. Cleanse this aura, dog. Clean the auras. But yeah, we're going to be back on uh, part three in a couple weeks. And you can hear about bill's 16th century curse hell yeah so until then check us out on our social medias facebook, instagram, youtube, twitter, tiktok, reddit, discord come be part of the holocult Till we meet again stay safe stay weird and if you are held hostage by spiritual terrorists just don't hesitate to burn your house down